Blog Talk Radio. Talking about what is and what ain't country What gives them the right to wear a pair of beat-up boots Is it the size of your tires and your fires or your wild-ass buddies Well, give me a minute, let me hit you with some hometown truth You can be a cowboy on the Texas plane Or a plowboy waiting on the rain we're all a little different, but we're all the same. Everybody doing their own thing. I got my dirt road cred when I was 12 on a no-cap tractor hauling in bells. Bagging in boats, fishing limb lines to find Step side covered down in peanut dust. Friday night spotlight and that was us. It might not have been you, but I can't judge. Just be proud of what makes you country. Does it run in your blood? Did it come from your daddy and mama? Were you converted by an Alabama song on the radio that feels so right? Did you lock eyes with a little green-eyed girl from Jackson? Tell me what got you. I just gotta know. Me, I got my Sunday learning in a live old church. Silver Queen corn in the backyard dirt. Waiting for the fall to finally come along So I can grab my gun and get my outside on Step side covered down in peanut dust Friday night spotlight and that was us It might not have been you But I can't judge Just be proud of what makes you country Yeah. 
Georgia Plains to the North Georgia Mountains. Once a year, the young and the old descend on our NASCAR race weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway, building new traditions and rekindling old ones as a new season springs to life. Racing runs deep into the heart of Georgia. February 23rd and 24th, it's Saturday's Renai 250 and Atlanta 200 doubleheader and Sunday's thrilling Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500. Sunday tickets start at $49 and kids tickets are just $10 at AtlantaMotorSpeedway.com. Good evening from Dagan Nation. I'm Tim Despain. Uh, the way the crow flies, I'm approximately eight miles south of this 2.66-mile monster we call Tarsley Super Speedway. And I've got my good friend, Stephen Wilson. Stephen's down in Orlando, straight off covering the day, the 61st train of the Daytona 500. Stephen, how you doing, brother? I'm doing pretty good. Been walking a lot today. Um, and, uh, it, it, you know, it's like 80-some degrees down here. So it's been really nice. You had to rub it in. It's like 38, 37 in rain here in Dega. <laughs> well, you know, we um, it, it rained for about two minutes earlier today. And uh, since then, like I said, it's been it's been in the 80s, mid-80s. Yesterday it was like uh, about 87 or something like that. And uh, day of the day down to 500, it was fairly warm out there too. So, you know, but, but, you know, that's all going to change this weekend when we get to Atlanta. It's going to be a whole lot different. Good thing I bought a couple of extra pairs of clothes, like extra socks and extra jacket with me because I'm thinking I'm going to need it. You probably are, but, Stephen, I always pack plenty of stuff. Whenever I pick you up from the airport, uh, we go down to the hotel. I, I always pack a couple of extra sets of clothes anyway. Hey, yeah, it, might, it sounds like you might need to use it this weekend. Uh, um, I guess it's supposed to possibly rain on on Sunday. So, um, but you know, if it's like last year, maybe the thing will just hold off, and uh, and uh, you know, we'll uh, see uh, see some racing. And uh, it, it, you know, what, what was it last year? Like literally five minutes after the after the flag fell. Uh, it just the the sky fell out last year. Well, really, you know, last year we were doing that uh, that live broadcast from over, and you were up in Virginia, and all of a sudden, you know, me and Suzanne left the hotel and went. I mean, when we left the hotel, we we always go the back way through uh, Hampton, Georgia, there, and I, I'm tell you, it come a freaking storm. It flooded, the wind got to blowing, and Suzanne said, "What do you want to do?" I said, "Let's just go on the track in and see what all is going to happen." Well, we got there, and you know, that was a big deal last year. All the media series, HM Nashville, they were all talking about some of the weather forecasters said that it was going to be a total rain out. Don't even go to the track. But, Stephen, I think I sent you a picture last year while we were doing that uh, live remote there. It was like all of a sudden, right before we were getting to go green, 
the sun peeked out, the skies opened up, and as soon as the checkered flag fell, the bottom fell out. It's just, it's just weird that uh, AMS goes through that that type of weather, and it seems like every year. Some some years it's cold. I remember a couple of years ago we went and uh, everything was warm. It was like in the seventh, and it's just it's just weather in the south, bro. Yeah, that's just how it is. Um, you know, one thing I I would honestly like to see them move this event. Uh, I'd like to see them go from Daytona and then pull the western the western uh, um, you know string uh, of races and go out to Vegas and Phoenix and Auto Club and then come back to maybe come back to Atlanta because you know it's warmed up a little bit. You know, it's a different type of weather now that it's starting to get into the springtime and then go from Atlanta. Uh, off to Martinsville, so you know, I, I, I honestly, I think that you know, um, you know, I, I think it would be good if they could get this event moved out, um, move it out, um, you know, after that um, West Coast swing, and then, uh, you know, then come back. Um, I, I, I know that SMI has the weather guarantee, but you know, the thing is, is that you know, this has been pretty indicative over the last um, some number of years since. Uh, 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 the track gave up the Southern uh, or the the Labor Day race and gave it back to to Darlington for the Southern 500, um, you know, and they've they've moved to this February date where it's just been cold, it's been raining, and you know, it's just been a weather concern ever since the beginning of this. So I think that you know, I I, I do believe that that going forward, and you know, there's some indications from from NASCAR that they even said and. In, in Homestead, they reiterated again in Daytona. Um, you know, they're looking at all kinds of different things. They're looking at schedule changes. They're looking at doing a lot of different things. So um, may, maybe this is the time that that Atlanta will be able to move that event and move that event to to another part of the year, or maybe just into the spring and then go up to Martinsville after that. And uh, you know, I th- I think that could alleviate some of the concerns because. You know, I, I mean, years ago, uh, Rockingham was the second race of the season, and they had the same type of problems with them: rain, snow, cold, wind. You know, if it could happen, it happened. And you know, I, I, some of that kind of killed the track. But you know, at the same time, um, you know, I think Atlanta it, it could position itself in, into another part of the schedule. Um, so they can alleviate some of these concerns for race fans. And, and, and for that matter, I think that will, you know, boost attendance of, of people that are interested in going um, to this event. That's right. And see, before I talk to you anymore, uh, let me go ahead and let everybody know the number to call in. 215-383-3681. I'm in Spain alongside SpeedwayDigest.com. Mr. Stephen Wilson. Coming up here at uh, the after the hour, we've got my friend Spencer Boyd going to join us. Uh, coming off a coming off a top five finish down there in the uh, NASCAR Gander at Door Truck Series there at Daytona, Stephen. And uh, I want to go back once I got all that. Once with all that being said, I got all that out. Uh, you were talking about you know moving the the uh, dates, and I definitely agree that Atlanta needs to do something. But uh, you went down and covered the 61st running of the Daytona 500. It was the last race. On the super speedways with the restrictor place. But we're going to the tapered spacer now. And we're going to Atlanta. And you and I seen that test at Las Vegas last year when they test this rules package 
with that to bunch everybody up like it did in the All-Star race last year. You know, we, we watched that on a mile and a half track, and that's some of the best damn racing I've seen in a long time, Stephen. What do you think we're going to uh, just sort of talk about, if you will, your your coverage of the Daytona race there with the plate, and then talk a little bit about what we get, what we're seeing in the, in the ATL this coming weekend. Well, you know, we in leading up into that, Jim, Jimmy Johnson had had uh, been in two two wrecks already, one in the clash and then one in his uh, in the qualifying races. So, um, you know, for for you know, we 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 saw that coming into it. We we also saw a lot of single file racing uh, up against the wall in the high line. Not too many people were going down to the bottom. Hamlin, Elliott, a couple of others would duck down. I think Logano was another one that would try and duck down, and uh, Suarez, he was another. But, you know, in in all, everybody was sticking to that high line, both in, in the clash and in the, the qualifying races. Um, you know, it, uh, Jim France, he was in driver's meeting prior to the Daytona 500, and, uh, you know, one lot, I mean, he, he, he doesn't say a whole lot. Um, you know, that's the thing about Jim France. Uh, but when he does speak and what he does say is very, very powerful. And one of the last things he, he said after thanking everybody and, you know, going through the things that, you know, of, 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 of thanking people and the sponsors and, you know, everybody for putting this event on, he made the comment of saying, I hope somebody will go down there with Hamlin and Elliot and uh, put on a show for us. And they did. I mean, we saw a lot of two-wide racing out there, some three-wide racing out there. The only time that these cars were strung out or in single file is uh, uh, each of the manufacturers were uh, working together, you know, particularly Ford. Ford has um, this one Ford uh, mentality that they will all work together in these style events, and, and they did. So they came to pit road together. They worked together out on the racetrack. Um, what we saw, which was interesting, is that not only were these two and three wide racing and Ford working together, we saw Toyota and Chevrolet having, out of necessity, to work together to gang up on the Fords uh, because they're just so incredibly fast just so fast, and I think people saw that in the qualifying races where in, in both events, Ford went to uh, uh, won their, their, their corresponding uh, uh, qualifying race, but they also finished one, two, and three in each event. So for, for the rest of the teams out there, that, that's a pretty powerful statement that they're able to bring a brand-new car to the track and put on that kind of show, and out of necessity, we saw Hendrick and JGR working together as two manufacturers uh, to overcome some of the hurdles and just how incredibly fast that those Fords were. Um, At the end of the day, Denny Hamlin did win his second Daytona 500. Um, he did it just a couple of years ago, and, and he came back to, to victory lane in the 61st Daytona 500. I think for, for JGR, that's a powerful statement for them. Um, you know, they just lost JD not too long ago. A lot of them talked about it between Coach Gibbs and 
um, you know, Denny and everybody on the team, but when Kyle and Joey and others came into the media center, they all talked about, you know, all the things that GD had done, and, you know, they just said that, you know, this race was for him. You know, it was just meant to be. So it was powerful that he went to victory lane. Um, Some, uh, you know, some of Joey's comments against Michael McDowell, I think he felt that uh, Michael McDowell um, should have worked with the Fords better. But, um, you know, I, I, I didn't particularly see where he wasn't working with Fords, but at the same time, you know, he was doing what everybody else had to do in the closing closing laps at that event. So I think overall it was a good event. We saw a lot of good racing around the track, and as far as going into Atlanta this weekend, it's a lot of unknowns. We haven't put 40 cars on a racetrack with this particular package yet. We we only had a small amount of cars in, in these testings, in tests, and we only had a small amount of cars uh, with a similar package in, in the also race. And they're going to be changing these tapered spacers out, and the package is going to change depending on the tracks that they go to. So, you know, we could see different styles of racing at a lot of different tracks, and uh I think this is a stopgap measure because of the way that NASCAR is talking about the Gen 7 car, that this car will be a full package of the car technology um, addressing concerns and um, and, and schedule changes all in. So we, we, we definitely, NASCAR is definitely working to a, a, a different style of racing um, but, you know, for right now, the taper spacers and the um, the package that they are working on currently, I think is, is, is I, I guess stopgap really isn't the correct word, but they're making the changes till the Gen 7 car is ready. That's right, Steve. And to add to that, I uh, when I got in from work this evening, I listened to the, which I've got it uploaded in, into the studio, but it's 33 minutes long. I listened to uh, uh, Denny Hamlin and them in the media center after he won there at Daytona. And one of the one of our fellow media members, I don't know, I don't remember who it was, but he mentioned uh, the number 95 of uh, Matt DiBenedetto. I got that right. I said it right. Uh, <laughs> the good run that he had. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Stephen. Doesn't uh, Levine Family Racing, don't they sort of have a, uh, sort of like a saddle, they're sort of like a team partner to Joe Gibbs Racing this year with Matt and Levine? Yes, yes. So essentially they have moved over to Toyota with Toyota not only backing the team, but JGR is building the cars and supplying the engines to them as well as technology sharing, um, just as they did with uh, Furniture Row Racing. So it's a very similar setup to that. Okay, so that uh, that what uh, what Stevens actually saying, y'all, is like it's sort of like a satellite team. They're going to share information, and like you said, they're going to provide Levine uh, Family Racing with the equipment, with the Toyota stuff, and all that. And uh, uh, Matt Benedetto, I think it was a couple of years. It might have been twenty sixteen. Stephen, correct me. He had his best finish. At Bristol Motor Speedway, he was running for uh, my good friend at BK Racing, Mr. Ron Devine, who finished P6. And when they interviewed, when they interviewed 
the Benedetto after that race there at at uh, Bristol. I mean, you know, he he had tears in his eyes, Steve. And when he got back to his hometown, they 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 done a big party for him and brought him all in and, and all that. And I just hate it that he got caught up in that in that in that big wreck there at Daytona because he had a hell of a car running there. Guido was running good, and you know we don't know what would have happened, but. Uh, Denny Hamlin did did mention that he looked in the looked in his mirror and uh, De Benedetto was pushing him until all that stuff happened. But see, we got our guest coming on. Let's go ahead and bring on driver number twenty, Chevy Silverado, for Young Motorsports, Mister Spencer Boyd. gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble! Best board, how you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing well, how about you? I'm doing good, and I bet you... I bet you was jumping up and down like I don't know what, man, that P four, Daytona. How's it feel? Yeah, that was uh that was a crazy weekend, you know. We uh we had great speed all weekend and to finish fourth I couldn't believe it. Uh restarting there in third was just dream come true there. That's right. And uh Spencer, I wanna thank you for taking time to call in and I'm gonna, I'm gonna hand you over to Stephen who was actually down in Orlando. He's in good weather. He's he's been staying down there since the five hundred weekend and he's coming up to the ATL. I gotta get him at the airport Friday. But I wanna hand you over to Steve and let him ask you a few questions and I got a few before we let you jump out of here, Spencer. Thank you very much for coming on, bro. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, buddy. Thanks, I appreciate you coming on. Um, talk about I I'm I'm just gonna go hit the obvious question. You know, there there was a lot of carnage in that in that race. Um, just talk about just how intense the racing was that that produced the carnage that we saw on the track, and, and you know I think we we saw you as well as some other drivers that were able to to bypass some of these wrecks. Um, you know Ryan Priest also did that in in the Daytona 500, but and, and get very very good runs out of it. But just how intense was the racing out there? Yeah, it was uh, it was crazy from the from the drop of the green. Really, uh, we rolled off 14th with uh, some solid speed, and at the beginning of the race, I was like, man, I'm I'm right here, kind of mid pack, you know, uh, kind of front of the mid pack. Uh, do you make a charge and go get in the top 10 and feel a lot safer, or do you drop to the back? And normally, my mentality has always been right around in the back and, and save your stuff. But um, in this circumstance, my crew chief and Tyler Young, the owner, we're like, hey, man, let's, we got a good truck. We got good speed. Let's get to the front. So uh, quickly got up there in the top eight. It's kind of like crazy. <laughs> it's uh, it's crazy up there. I thought it would be a, um, a little less hectic up there, but it was insane. The top 15 guys were bouncing around, really side-drafting hard. My teammate Gus Dean side-drafted me super hard for like three or four laps and uh, kind of got on the radio and was like, hey, you know, let's – Let's calm down here and um, let's try and just run side by side, give each other a little room and, and make it through uh, some of these laps. And once one caution happened, it just started going off and off and just a lot of wrecks and 
um, we were making our way through it and then found ourselves in sixth place, um, had really good speed, uh, finished fifth or sixth in the stage and came down pit road and came out third. And at that point I was like, wow, you know, we're, we're about to go run around out, out front here and, uh, have a good truck and realized that we didn't get a, a real good fuel stop. And, um, at that point it was going to have us restart 16th or 17th, uh, with the people that didn't pit things like that. So, um, I went ahead and dropped to the back. And if you could see, I mean, I was half throttle, just riding, uh, trying to be cautious. And we were making it through those wrecks. And I was still close enough to pull really close calls. But we made it through. And then next thing you know, we were up there in the top ten again. And all three Young's trucks ran really well. But it's just a lot of young drivers leaning on each other. And from the drop of the green, it was pretty hectic. The, the truck series runs a, a spec motor into it built by Ilmore. Just how much of a difference do you see running those types of motors within the truck series? And obviously, it's a cost savings also to a lot of these teams because you know we've heard in the past that teams are leasing motors for you know tens of thousands of dollars for for a race that that may pay you know fifty fifty thousand dollars or you know less in some instances and especially if you're not the winner you're 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 definitely not barely covering the engine budget so you know it shifted over to these spec motors just just how uh how much of a difference is the, are these spec motors in, in, compared to some of the other motors that you've run in the past especially like the Xfinity series which doesn't use sealed motors yeah you know that's a that's a really good question um i like the Ilmore it played a big role in me going from the Xfinity series to the truck series. Cause um, knowing that the guy that wins the race is going to have the same motor as you and that it's more cost, cost effective um, is a big deal. So for me, um, it had a lot of power. Uh, they're really torquey. Um, a lot of people know that I wasn't in, you know, ECR or Hendrick motors and Xfinity. So uh, maybe I'm not the best person to compare a really good Xfinity motor to the Ilmore, but, um, in my experience, the Ilmore had a lot of torque, a lot of bottom end. Uh, I spun the heck out of the tires on that restart, restart in third. And, um, having uh, the spec motor and it being more affordable and kind of closing the gap from 15th to first and making the trucks more competitive, uh, I'm happy to be a part of it, and I think it was uh, the right direction for the sport. There's all kinds of talk coming in in the next couple of years about all the things that NASCAR is looking at. They're looking at everything from double headers to weekday races to to shorter events, going to different tracks. As far as the truck series is concerned, there's a lot of companion races that that they run up against either Xfinity or predominantly the the Monster Energy Series. Uh, is it time to shift some of those events away? to tracks that don't traditionally host uh, uh, the, the Cup Series or the Xfinity Series or give these the, give the series a different identity in the fact of that they do run different style of uh, events than, than their counterparts? Well, it's uh, the Truck Series goes to some really unique tracks, right? Uh, they're the only ones that go to Eldora. They're the only series that goes to um, Gateway, and then Truck and Xfinity both goes to Iowa. So really good racing. Um, you know, you hear things about 
Cup coming to Iowa and, and things like that. I don't really see uh, anybody else going to Gateway. It's kind of an older place, but it means a lot to me. It's my hometown, and um, I, I like that the Truck Series does some standalone stuff. Um, I love when they're with Xfinity. The crowd's really good. But then you go to a couple standalone places like Gateway in Iowa, and the truck race does amazing on its own. There's tons of fans there, and a lot of young kids come out because it's free to under 12 to go to the truck race. So um, it's tough. You know, NASCAR's in a tough spot. I don't think the trucks need to go to every cup race. I like that there's only 23. And I like that there's some standalone, and I think it's cool that one of the lower series, like trucks, is the only one to have uh, the dirt race. I think that creates a lot of hype, a lot of attention, and it brings a lot of big sponsors to the sport for at least that particular weekend. Spencer, I appreciate you taking time to come on here tonight. Good luck this weekend at Gateway and going forward throughout the rest of the year in Young Motorsports Truck. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks, Stephen. Hey, uh, Spencer, coming off your uh, full-time last year running the Xfinity Series, and you went to Daytona this time, you had a few practices there in the in the new Chevy Silverado. Can you tell all this a little bit about how different it is driving that truck, and did that did that truck punch a bigger a bigger hole in the air than the Xfinity car did last year? Yeah, you know, the truck's uh, – it's a big old brick out there. So, uh, fortunately, with the Elmore – uh, everyone's pumping uh, some similar horsepower, and, and that's cool. It creates a real nice pack, and um, the trucks draft really well. Um, you get major suck-up, which is crazy. Um, so in the car, in the Xfinity car, you have to be real methodical about lining up and being perfect behind them, and you can hook them real easy. Uh, the truck bumpers line up pretty nicely. And the uh, thing is, you just you got a lot of young people that uh, haven't ran the speedways, and I've been there. Um you know, it's just experience. You got to learn. You got to make mistakes to learn. I, I've made plenty of mistakes on speedways, and then uh, this particular race, just everything came together for me. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think that's why you see a lot more crashes in the trucks. Just you got a lot of people that have never went 190, 200 mile an hour, and that's okay. It creates good racing for the fans, but I think the trucks draft a whole lot better than the other two series for sure. And Spencer, you finished uh, P4. At Daytona in the 1A Auto Chevrolet, you're actually third in points going into the ATL. Is it way too early now? I'm I'm going to ask you. I hope it don't step over the line. Is it too early to talk about points racing now, or just want to throw that out there? Yeah, well, I tell you, when I was restarting third, I was like, man, you know, I'll, I'll take this if we can uh, if we can go get a win right now and, and lock ourselves in the chase. That'd be huge. Uh, for our team, it'd be huge. Uh, fourth place was the best finish to date for Young's Motorsports. So for it to be my first race with the team and go knock that out, um, we know Speedway Racing is uh, all about the guys back at the shop uh, building really good trucks and then uh, having a great spotter and a lot of luck on your side. So uh, I don't want to be the guy that takes a lot of credit for that or says, hey, our season is going to be built around this. Um, I think Atlanta is going to show a lot of people uh, what our team's made of and you know, if that's 12th place, that's 12th place. If it's 5th place, then, you know, uh, maybe some people's opinion will change on uh, what our objective is. But for us, it's going out there, running in the top 15, top 10 every week, and hopefully making the playoffs. Uh, it's a little bit different in trucks. Only eight make the playoffs, so um, it's going to be a tough feat. But I got some really good guys. I'm excited. And uh, there's always a little points racing there. But when you're right there and uh, you can gamble to get a win, 
points racing goes out the window and you got to go get that win for the sponsor. And for me, I got so many great partners and one a auto, uh, they've come on board for a lot of races this year and, and really, uh, helped put me on the map and, and put me in a good truck. So I'm excited. And Spencer going into the ATL this weekend, uh, it seems like every time we go to Atlanta, there's a chance to rain. Uh, uh, have you have you and your team have y'all sort of set up for maybe or maybe talked about maybe a night run at the ATL? You know they've got lights over there. Is that something y'all have discussed in the team meeting, or do you think this weather's not going to do anything or what? Just just want to get your thoughts on what y'all talk about in the team meeting if this if this race maybe gets postponed to a day or night or however it's going to go. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've been at the shop uh, the past couple days here, so I'd say on Monday we were celebrating a uh, top five finish, and then today it was, they loaded that truck up and uh, it's getting a new body on it and getting ready for Talladega, and everything is moving forward to Atlanta. So, uh, you're right, our team meeting was talking about, hey, if we have a limited practice, what are you thinking? If we do get some practice, you got to go out there and go hard, you know, you've, uh, You've driven an Xfinity car here. You got an idea. Watch the video. Do the simulator. Uh, let's unload. Ready to go. Uh, not mess around. But if it's a night race, the race is going to change completely, right? Uh, Atlanta, crazy surface, tire fall off. Uh, it's usually during the day, right? So it's hot and slick, and it's just a crazy race. Uh, you can't spend a lot of time side by side, especially in these trucks at a mile and a half. But then when you go night racing, is it going to be uh, less Atlanta and more like Charlotte? Are you going to be able to really hustle the truck? And at the end of the day, the surface is really wore out, so it's going to be slick, but I think it could be a totally different race if it's at night. And myself, I love night racing. Uh, it's great. It's a little cooler out. Guys like me love that. But um, I'm just excited to get to Atlanta. Either way, put rain tires on it, and we'll go drive it. I hear you, brother. And, Spencer, before we let you jump out of here, I want to uh... – Thank you again for coming on. And uh, if you want to thank your sponsors, and I know you got Kick-Ass Beef Jerky, 1A Auto, you got a bunch to thank, uh, that uh, Big Buck Rack Feed and all that. Go ahead and thank all your sponsors, brother. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, thanks for doing this show. And uh, we've all become really good friends uh, over the past couple of years of doing this. So uh, always great to be on your show. And I wouldn't be out there racing if it wasn't for my great partners, uh, 1A Auto, Quality Auto Parts, Record Rack Deer Feed, Run Style, Crowd Cow, uh, Console Vault, Kick-Ass Beef Jerky, Arms List. Uh, the list goes on and on. There's just so many great partners. Um, Wilkerson Automation, they've been with me since I was eight years old. So uh, I think they're going to be out there hanging out at Atlanta. So at the end of the day, I uh, wouldn't be doing this without my great partners. And appreciate everyone uh, following my journey. That's right, brother. And we want to thank you for joining uh the Speedway Digest Radio Network. Let them know where, you know, uh, the Eagles Nest. That's an awesome name for your show. Talk a little bit about this. It's, um, it's, it's so much fun. Uh, Josh, my PR guy, and I are, are doing the Eagles Nest with Spencer Boyd, and uh, we've been getting some good viewers and a lot of people commenting on Twitter and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, every Monday night at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. So tune in. Thanks for giving me the platform to do this. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. And you can follow me on Twitter at Spencer Boyd. Instagram at Spencer Boyd PR and Facebook Spencer Boyd Racing fan page and uh, check us out. We're always uh, open to have a little fun and uh, we'll be taking in some callers here pretty soon. We're just kind of knocking the rust off and learning this whole podcast deal uh, before we go crazy. 
Y'all are doing great, brother. Again, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, tell Josh we said hello and uh, safe travels to the ATL. And uh, myself, Stephen, and Suzanne will be there, so we'll be hunting you up in the truck garage this weekend, brother. Absolutely. Look forward to seeing you guys. Y'all have a safe trip as well. All right. All right. Thanks, Oscar. See you, brother. Thanks. Spencer Boyd there, Stephen. The young man has come a long way. Uh, he started out racing bandoleras. We've had him on our show multiple times. Uh, he agreed to join our podcast family. That's pretty awesome, too. That's sort of – I ain't going to sit here and lie and not tell the truth. He's getting a ton more listeners than we are, but he's a darn racer. But anyway, glad to have him on. And, uh, Stephen, he brought up some real good points about the truck. Uh, like a big brick uh, punching, punching through the air. That he he mentioned another thing about Atlanta Motor Speedway over at the ATL. It has it has had been repaved in a long time. And a few years ago, I had asked Kyle Bush in the media center what he thought about a repave, and Kyle Bush told me, "I don't want him to." Stephen, it's not a matter of uh, if; it's a matter of when we see a repave in the ATL and. With this new package, like like uh, like Spencer was talking about, and like you were talking about, it's it's going to be something to see. Especially with ATL, we got the weather coming. We don't know if we're going to be racing day, night. And like he mentioned, they talked in their team meeting. What are they going to set the truck up for? They don't know. Uh, it's going to be a big crapshoot, isn't it, brother? Yeah, um, I honestly think that some of these tracks and, and Atlanta is probably a good example of this the tracks that have this pavement that is worn out and that can tear the tires up and uh, uh, cause the the trucks or cars to slow down over an entire fuel run um, I think it makes for really really good racing now, how long can Atlanta survive uh, with this pave job that they had done back in, uh, I want to say, 97, 96? That's right. Anyways, uh, it's it, it, – okay. It, 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 so it's been over 20 years since they've had a pave at, 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 at Atlanta. So – it, it's producing good racing. Atlanta is keeping up with the, the the surface. And I think that the longer that these uh, um, paved jobs stay down on the track and the more they wear, it's producing better racing. And, and you know, a Darlington is another place where, where the tires fall off a considerable amount. Um, over over an entire fuel run, I think if uh, you know, I think if uh, uh, you know, uh, Goodyear can come up with a tire that uh, produces some fall off at at other tracks, um, I think that could help also. Um, if, if if we have tires that can last, let's say a a fifty or sixty or seventy lap fuel run or 110, 15 laps or so at Bristol over an entire fuel run with little to no wear. Um, you know, I, that's complicating the racing to some degree. 
Um, and even though the Goodyear is bringing tires to places like Atlanta that can uh, last an entire fuel run, the, the track surface is eating those tires up at a significant rate. So I, I, I think it produces better racing. I would hope that other tracks take a look at what Atlanta does, let their pavement stay and mature a little longer between repaves, and, and maybe just between everything, a combination of things, that we will produce better racing in the future. Stephen, you hit the nail on you. You hit the nail on the head there, talking about. Uh, I had heard a lot of, and this is a lot of serious XM NASCAR this week, and uh, a lot of the crew chiefs that have been coming on with Bagley and Christian uh, all, they've been talking about that uh, the tires won't last the fuel run. That's one big thing. That's another, another, uh, call it uh, whatever that they have to deal with. But anyway. Stephen, let's take a little quick break and uh, get up and stretch. I know you've been been wide open with the Yellowhammer Cake Pocket Knife down here in Orlando today. Let, I want to play some of the media center audio from Denny Hamlin, Chris Gapehart, and Joe Gibbs. After Denny Hamlin won the 61st running of the Daytona 500, we'll be right back after this. All right, we are now joined by the winning team of today's Daytona 500. We have our driver, Denny Hamlin, crew chief, Chris Gabehart for the number 11 FedEx Express Toyota. This is Denny's second Daytona 500. This is Chris's first cup start as crew chief and first win. We will open it up to questions for these two. Please raise your hand. We'll start here with Matt. Matt Weaver, Auto Week. Uh, this is a question for both of you guys. Um, Kyle was in here earlier and said that he was trying to coordinate the um, – the restart plan, the restart before, and that you guys had declined. And then he said that once you guys got the lead, that you guys were more willing to try to negotiate um, a plan with the 18. What went into both of those restarts and the planning back and forth with them? Yeah, I think the first one, I, I'm not sure if it was a green-white checkered or not, but it was inside five to go. And um, I thought that, you know, any deals and stuff like that, our original deal was inside ten to go. After that, you kind of raced. Uh, we kept going. We we had, I think, a, a restart with seven or eight to go. We worked together. Uh, and then they asked, um, I think they asked, and we said, you know, let's just race it out. And uh, that was with uh, the second to last restart. We we decided we wanted to kind of race it out, being on the front row. I kind of liked, and I was hoping he was going to take the line that he chose, and he did. Um, so that put us in a good position. Um, you know, everything that I've all the experience that I've had, I knew what line I wanted to be in, and it was going to be a 50-50 shot whether um, he put us in that line or not. Um, and, and when he did, uh, we got the lead, the caution came out, and then we were fine, you know, just going ahead and staying racing like we were. Uh, I knew the top line was the line I was going to choose. And um, they actually came over, I think they came uh, to my spotter and said, hey, do you want to do the, do you want to drop down in front of us? Uh, we're open to do that. And when I saw him and the 22 lined up, I was like, well, absolutely. I'm sure. I definitely do. We'll do that. So I thought that was the best move for us. But it still gave him a great opportunity to win because he got a great run on us on the back stretch, and we had to block it. And so I, I think that he probably knew the same thing that I did, is that that bottom lane deteriorates really quick at the end of these races. I, I've been on the bottom lane three or four times here on, the, with, on a green-white checker and lost the race every time because it was just not the place to be. So I thought that 
he was actually pretty smart in thinking that, hey, if, if I drop down in front of him, that puts him in the position to go on offense against me. So um, if he's on the inside of me and I'm right there on his door, there's no offensive play that he can make. He was actually – he did the made the right move, in my opinion, to, to let us do that so he can have the 22 and make a run. We're also on, joined by team owner of Joe Gibbs Racing, Joe Gibbs. We'll continue with questions. We'll go to Al, Jacob, Kelly, and then Jerry. Yeah, Al Pearson Motor Week. Chris, for you, not not to short shrift what you've just done, <coughs> but a lot of athletes and coaches say, okay, we're on to the next one. Atlanta's going to be a whole new deal. The rest of the year is going to be a whole new deal. Is it difficult for a crew chief to prepare every week for an aero package and a rules package different from what you had the week before? Yeah, well, I can tell you the unfortunate truth is we probably just lost a day preparing because we're going to be here putting a car in the museum, and that's quite all right with us. But uh, you're exactly right uh, with all the unknowns in NASCAR right now with the rules packages. I think you guys are in for a treat week to week. You're never going to know. Um, everybody's trying to figure it out, and every racetrack is going to be a little bit different. So there's going to be a lot of comers and goers to start the season, but I have so much confidence in the people around us that Joe Gibbs Racing and FedEx and, and Denny trusting in me um, to, to allow me to, to do this. And we've just got such a strong group around us. I'm just a lucky guy that every now and then gets to jump up and call the play. But in the past three months, it's become so evident to me that it's about the people around you. And I'm just a very small part of that. And let me tell you, this 11 FedEx team has a very good group around them. And, and I couldn't be more excited to get going. I, not tonight, I, you won't be. I, I don't. I don't mean to discredit this win, <laughs> but I'm always thinking about the next one. No doubt about it. Go to Jacob. Jacob Seelman, Speed Sport Magazine. Got a couple here. Uh, first for Coach, uh, you were in here earlier in the weekend talking about it, about what it might mean if this this is storybook though. I mean, what 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 emotions? What's going through your mind after this? Uh, I'd just like to retrace for a minute what happened tonight, which is, you know, it's the most emotional and the biggest win I've ever had in my life in anything. Uh, J.D. built our race team, was the guy that ran day-to-day -day operations for 27 years. He invested his occupational life in our race team. And as a part of that, he went up to purchase some late model stuff from Denny and st struck up a relationship with Denny, put him in a test, put him in a, a truck, put him in a Xfinity car at Darlington, and finally he said, we need to sign this guy. And so that started the relationship and everything. And Thank you for that first check, <laughs> by the way. I got a <laughs> set of rims for my truck and a plasma TV. I was, of course. Living, I was in high, I was the, I was a hit. That, that, that is the truth. He had nothing, okay? <laughs> and three years later, he bought a house next to me that was twice as big as my house. <laughs> so it tells you I get in the wrong end of everything. But I wanted to retrace that and then to say J.D.'s favorite number was 11. When he raced, that's what he had. Denny's number is 11. Denny put J.D. On, over the doorpost on that car. And to have that take place, everything that took place tonight, everybody knows we've been to Daytona 27 times. We had won twice before. And so, you know, you're thinking about things, and I guess everybody can say, well, that just happened. 
I don't believe that just happened. I honestly believe it was, you know, I think the Lord looked down on us, and I know J.D. and everybody in my family was emotional. I called home to Pat, and I called sponsors that were emotional, too. It was just an unbelievable night, uh, unbelievable crowd. The whole thing was just a special memory for me, and it's one I'll never forget, and it's the most important night of my occupational life. Denny, two parts for you. Uh, number one, I know you were trying on TV to put it into words. The Gibbs family, this win, I mean, what what does it mean sitting here right now? And and the second part, what is it with you and new crew chiefs get, bringing them to victory lane in this race? <laughs> yeah. I tell you, I, for one race, he can just hop on the back. I'll carry you in here, but uh, I'm going to need him the rest of the, the 35 other ones. Uh, you know, he's, I'll say that, you know, kind of answering last question first, but Chris is just so prepared. I mean, almost information overload. I have to temper him sometimes like, okay, okay, I got it, I got it. I don't need motivation. I don't need it. You know, thank you for the information of all the things that I need, but he's just so prepared, and he never leaves. He, you know, just in the in the couple months I've worked with him, he's just so meticulous about every detail and giving me all the information that I need to, to go out there and succeed. And so, um, you know, that's, that's the kind of guy that you look for that can carry you a long way. And, um, you know, as far as, you know, the, the Gibbs family, it's just uh, great to, you know, hearing that, you know, Joe and everything that he has accomplished in his life, I mean, he's an NFL Hall of Famer and, uh, you know, Super Bowl champion and saying that this is the biggest win of his career is just uh, special. And, and it's just special for me to be able to, you know, deliver that to him in a special way. Uh, I know he would have been happy with any one of his cars going out there and, and getting a victory, but obviously one with his uh, son's name on the door and, and number is probably a little more special. We'll go to Kelly, Jerry, and then up to the press box. Kelly Crandall, Racer.com. Um, Denny, first off, did I hear correctly over the radio that uh, now that you're a two-time Daytona 500 winner, Michael Waltrip can kiss your ass? Yes. And can you yeah, please explain yeah. that? <laughs> That's the only thing he ever held on over my head constantly. Well, I've got two. So, yeah, it's uh, it's – we're such good friends, and, and it's, you know, we play golf all the time. Everyone knows that, but, uh, yeah, you know, he was always, you know, everyone, we would always go to these golf tournaments, and he introduced me, and then I introduced him, and he's like, you know, hey, I got two of those. I got two. <laughs> Just think twice as many as you have, so not anymore. Go ahead, Jerry. Jerry Jordan, KickingTires.net. Denny, for uh, your win tonight versus your win a few years ago, which one's better, or can you evaluate that yet? And which party would be better? Be better. I, I, I'm taking this one in a little bit more. I was just so, you know, everything was just so crazy at the end of the 2016 race with the final lap, how it all played out. I was just, I couldn't believe anything that happened. I, it was in awe the whole time. This one, I actually threw the red flags and everything. I was kind of taking everything in. I, I fell asleep twice and in, in under a couple of the red flags because I just. I was just relaxed. I knew what I needed to do, and I wasn't going to venture off from that. Um, so I wasn't nervous about, hey, w what if this happens? What if that happens? I knew in my head what I needed to do, and if, it, if, if the race worked out great for us, we were going to win. Um, if it didn't, I was, I'd, put, I'd put forth all the homework and done all the work to figure out where I needed to be, and I knew where I needed to be, and... Um, uh, circumstances was going to dictate whether we won or not. So I was pretty relaxed the whole time and really taking all this in. 
What? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not sure. I was feeling pretty bad last time. <laughs> the, the plane ride up was awful for me. So I, I hear I have an extra day for, to prepare. So that's good mm -hmm. news. We're going to go upstairs to the press box and then in the back to Peter. Lee Spencer, RacingVoice.com. Gabe Hart, you're, you're batting 500 at this point. What do you think have to do with this team so you don't become complacent now that you're already in the playoffs? Um, complacent is not my vocabulary. We're going to go win 35 more races the way I look at it. People say you can't win every race, and I, I disagree. I mean, I show up every weekend to win, and I know – uh, Joe Gibbs expects that of us. I know Denny does, and I know my race team does. So my intent is to win 35 more times, and, and we may fall short, but I'm going to Atlanta to, to get another one. Go on the far back over here, and then we'll go to the left. Great. Thank you. Peter King, CBS News Radio, and this is for Denny uh, back here. And uh, those last 10 laps were like uh, an hour long. <laughs> Literally. Well, I was going to say not like know, a race. A it was more. It, it was more like Survivor out there. So, tell me, tell me what it was like to uh, be able to avoid those three huge crashes. And I think at last count, we counted 36 different cars were involved total with all three of them. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking. You know, I was actually looking at the time on the dash. It was 5:40 something, and I'm like. And, and I'm looking at the scoreboard, and I'm like, wow, at 6.15, we're going to know the, the end of this race. And I look, and I'm like, at 6.30, we're going to know the end of this race. And they're sitting under the red flag, and I just see the ticker just going. I'm like, at 6.50, we're going to really know who won this race. So it's, uh, it, was, it was crazy how long it took. And it, I've been in so many different super speedway races I've seen you know, five laps take an hour before, but uh, the track was just an absolute mess, uh, especially in three and four with all the crashes. We just were fortunate to really be up front at the right time to avoid those. I mean, we were really one row in front of all the, the, the mayhem uh, the entire time at the end. So uh, that that's a credit to the, you know, pit call we made at the end to, to get our track position back from the kind of the fueling issue that we had mid-race. But uh, it's just, I mean, you know, sometimes you, you're fortunate to be in the position you are. We were, we were pretty lucky to be up front at the right time. <coughs> going to go to Mike, Dominic, and then Nate. Mike Massey, FrenchStress.com. To properly celebrate a win like this, like how do you properly celebrate a win like this when you have that champion's breakfast at like 7.30 tomorrow morning? <laughs> do you stay up all night or do you try to get a few hours of sleep? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've. I've been under the weather a little bit over the last couple of weeks, so I probably won't get too crazy, honestly. Actually, uh, he and I both, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I may have <laughs> believed that or not. That, but uh, it's uh, it's been a tough couple of weeks, you know, you know, just you know, being sick a little bit. So I, I'm I'm not going to get too crazy, but I want the team guys to really enjoy it. I mean, there's a lot of new faces, a lot of the same faces that we've had that were here in 2016 that got to enjoy it, and I just never will forget. Uh, celebrating with them and seeing how excited they were after uh, winning a Daytona 500 because you just honestly you never know right I mean you're a pit crew guy you could be moved to another team and you don't know if you'll you're if you don't will you ever win it again I encourage all those guys to really live in the moment and enjoy it because you know I definitely you know th that was some of my fondest memories from the first one was spending it with the team guys we go to Dominic Nate and then up to the press box Dominic Adagon with the racing experts to your left. 
So now that you've tied Dale Jarrett now on the 20, 20, excuse me, 24th all-time on the wins list, is that something you take a look at or just kind of comment on what that means to you? Wow, he's so much better than I am. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's amazing. Um, never really thought of it uh, that way. Um, those are guys that, I mean, I idolized growing up. So, I mean, I'm, I shouldn't even be mentioned in the same breath as Dale Jarrett. So it's uh, – it's crazy that uh, you know we, we have the stats that we do. I never would have thought it, you know, in the 14-year career that uh, I'd have one Daytona 500 champion. I wouldn't have dreamed I'd have 10 wins. I wouldn't have dreamed anything uh, that that's been accomplished. But certainly, um, you know, won't take it for granted. Go upstairs to the press box. Jim Utter, Motorsport.com for Denny and Coach too, if he'd like to address it. When you have such a uh, tragic event such as J.D.'s passing happening so close to the start of the season, I just wondered uh, when it could produce heavy hearts and, and so forth, how did you feel the team approached uh, dealing with that coming down to Daytona? It almost seemed like you guys had a very uh, calming effect the entire season. Well, I, I think for me, I just really appreciate everybody. Uh, Chris said it, everybody at Joe Gibbs Racing is like a huge family. And I, I want to say that that NASCAR itself, if you think about everybody in that winner's circle, uh, everybody from NASCAR, Jim France, and everybody all the way down, uh, I just appreciate that so much. And the other thing that's different about this sport that I really appreciate is our sponsors. And... The emotion and everything that's wrapped up in this, uh, FedEx, everybody there, the relationships you develop with them, and you go through tough times, tough year last year, and then they have a victory like tonight, and I appreciate everybody here from FedEx, and I got a chance to call Fred Smith and thank him. And then Toyota, uh, if you think about a partnership like that, how much they put into this uh, as a company is big as that company is and all the things they can do they choose to be a part of this sport and this race team and they're a huge part of it i can't thank them enough and so i think i i hope we all kind of get that what's special about this sport is our sponsors and all the relationships and everything that it takes to get to have a good race team and I just appreciate that so much. And it's always been people that, in my life, that you appreciate are the people. And so just really thrilled to be a part of a sport like this. I know we've gone through tough times here recently. I'm going to tell you, I swear, I think our best year's in front of us. And we got so many people working so hard right now in our sport. So I'm fired up about it, and this is the only thing me and my family want to do. We, we don't have anything else. So this has to go. Stephen, that was Joe Gibbs there. Uh, Denny won, won the 61st running of the Daytona 500. Chris Chief, Chris Gatepart, and owner Joe Gibbs. Uh, we lost Joe's son, J.D., just a few weeks ago, Stephen. Just how ironic is this? I mean, uh, a storybook ending to Denny Hamlin winning the race there at Daytona. And to let some of our listeners know, whenever J.D. played football, his number was number 11. And J.D. went out and actually re recruited Denny Hamlin to Joe Gibbs Racing. Just, you couldn't paint a better picture, could you, bro? 
No, and one of the funny things about it is is that J.D. Gibbs played football at a college right next door to where I live at, at William & Mary. And my mother has worked at William & Mary for over 30 years. So she remembered, you know, J.D. Gibbs playing football there. Um, you know, so, you know, there, there's a local connection, you know, not only to Denny Hamlin and me, yeah, well, Denny Hamlin in the state of Virginia, but also to to William & Mary, uh, where he played football at. Um, not too far down the road, right, almost right next door, 15 minutes away from me or so. So you know, it's uh, it's kind of ironic that you know, uh, with with Joe Gibbs playing, uh, with Joe Gibbs has two stints as the Washington Redskins coach, uh, as also Super Bowl champions for him a couple different times. Um, he went to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl with him. So you know, there's a lot of connections to the state of Virginia, and uh, you know, J.D. Gibbs. Had a lot of those connections um, through through not only motorsports but through football too. So um, for him, um, it, it probably you probably couldn't have wrote a story uh, any different than than what you saw um, this past weekend in the Daytona 500. That's right. And also, Stephen, uh, we lost one of our good friends. Suzanne uh, and I were. Post to Sam Bass. Uh, I know you were too. Uh, we had him on our show a couple of times. He uh, he lost his battle this past. I think it was Friday, Stephen. I can't remember the the dates. I really don't care. But if I can, uh, Stephen, I'd like to have a moment of silence for our good friend, Matt, the first officially licensed NASCAR artist, artist, Mr. Sam Bass. Let's have a moment. And Stephen Sam Sam has he has drew every he's drew everything to the programs. I mean, Sam Bass was a real real gift to NASCAR that the good Lord sent to us, wasn't he, brother? Yeah, and he and another Virginia connection. He's from the state of Virginia, right outside of Richmond in Hopewell County. Um, you know, he he worked a long time here in Virginia, working with. Um, you know, the Sawyers that owned Richmond Raceway prior to ISC buying it and, and had worked extensively with Richmond and Bristol and Charlotte, um, Daytona, um, Memphis and Nashville, um, as well as numerous other tracks out there, um, creating um, everything from the artwork to from the, for the race, but to trophies and guitars and um, all kinds of things within the sport. Um, and unfortunately, he he fell in some hard times, and that he he suffered through medical issues from the last couple of years, and was hoping to bounce back from that. And uh, you know, again, you know, we lost somebody in the sport that has uh, had a lasting effect um, with 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 people that they he's touched in the sport, and the tracks and fans that he's worked with. Um, so, you know, it's it's a pretty profound loss, um, not only for J.D. Uh, in the sport, but also Sam Bass. That's right. And, Stephen, I got an email from Sam Bass probably, I think it was two or three years ago, thanking Suzanne and I for the coverage that we do and all that. And that really meant a lot. And I actually printed that off, and I've got that email paper printed off. i got it hanging on my... Hanging on my, on my 
four right beside my desk. I'll take a picture of it and send it to you, but uh, I'm probably going to frame that, brother, because I'm, it really means a lot from from a statue like Sam Bass to give to give Suzanne and I such a great uh, a great statement of thanking us for everything that we do for the sport. It's even uh, coming up here on the top of the hour. Well, we've done gone past the top of the hour. Uh, we're going to the ATL this weekend, brother. i got to pick you up at the airport. Uh, that's going to be a damn day, but I think I can get you, brother, and uh, tell there in Stockbridge. And we're going to cover the race this weekend. But, Stephen, uh, let everybody know the the start times and everything. Like I said, it's probably going to be delayed. We don't know exactly what the whole deal is going to do with this weather, with the rain, but the ATL does have life. But if you would, brother, let everybody know time, schedules. I don't know if they're going to uh, uh, Fox Sports, uh, FS1. You got the floor. Yeah, Saturday morning, everything's going to kick off Saturday morning. Uh, double header race that day with both trucks and Xfinity out there. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Uh, Xfinity Series qualifying is going to kick off at 9.35, followed immediately by the Truck Series qualifying for them. Um, no, uh, Most of the practice is all taking place on Friday for those guys. Uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series, 2 o'clock. Um, that one's going to be on... Uh, FS1, uh, 163 laps, 251 miles for that event to be followed right behind by the truck series. Race 430 approximately, 130 laps, 200 miles for them. That one's going to be on FS1 too. Then on Sunday, oh, nope, wait a minute, hold on. We got Monster Energy qualifying somewhere. Oh, sorry, Monster Energy qualifying is back on Friday at 510. Um, PM for for March Energy Series. Sorry about that, I missed that. Uh, Sunday, uh, Folds Honor, uh, 500 out there, 325 laps, 500.5 miles to o'clock PM. Um, that one will also be on FS1, uh, PRN, and uh, SiriusXM Radio. Both have the radio calls um, for you. And listeners, to let you know, uh, Stephen. Try to get a radio room. We don't know how packed it's going to be. We're going to go, going to do some live broadcast from from the ATL. I got Dustin Beasley there, the PR contact. Maybe try to do a couple there, especially with with, it, with the rain coming. That that'd be pretty cool. But Stephen, again, uh, uh, thanks for everything you do for us. Uh, let everybody know where they can follow you on social media and your website, brother. You got the floor. Follow and follow that Speedway Digest on Twitter. Facebook.com for slash Speedway Digest and SpeedwayDigest.com. And folks, we're going to call it a wrap from Suzanne. Uh, Suzanne. Steve is down there in Orlando. I got to pick him up at the airport this Friday. Uh, you can follow me at uh, at Tiddy Lyman on Twitter. Uh, follow Stephen and I. Suzanne and I, we're going to bring you all the coverage from the Souls of Honor Quick Trip Hunter this coming weekend in the ATL. And until further notice, we're going to try to let everyone know when our scheduled radio shows are going to be live from ATL. And if we don't get everything going, we'll talk to you next Tuesday evening. I want to thank Spencer Boyd, driver of her Young Motorsport, for taking time to come in. We're going to say good night from Talladega, Alabama. I'm Tim Despain. He's Stephen Wilson. Talk to you on the flip side. 
From the South Georgia Plains to the North Georgia Mountains, once a year, the young and the old descend on our NASCAR race weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway, building new traditions and rekindling old ones as a new season springs to life. Racing runs deep into the heart of Georgia. February 23rd and 24th, it's Saturday's Renai 250 and Atlanta 200 doubleheader and Sunday's thrilling Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500. Sunday tickets start at $49 and kids tickets are just $10 at AtlantaMotorSpeedway.com. 